Hello and welcome to God vs. God, the podcast where we pit ancient deities head-to-head for the chance at the ultimate comeback. Welcome, Matt. Hi. All right, so this week we have Bez and Khonsu. Um, But before we kick that off, um, last episode, you know, you gave us a little math on the length of our podcast uh, to date uh, compared to a number of books. Um, But particularly interesting to me was the audiobook length of the King James Version of the Bible. Yeah. So long story short is is, uh, that is a long story and we're not quite... We're not quite there yet. Not yet. In terms of like, but, but they're not really you know, writing at, the Bible anymore, and we're still going. Yeah, so we're catching up. Yes. Um, and I suggested last episode that you know perhaps someday uh, GVG transcripts may one day also be available in every hotel room yes. in America, or 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 ideally worldwide. Um, That's quite a thought. Yeah. Yeah, so, but you seemed a little bit less enthused. Uh, so I want to make the case. <laughs> Please, I'm all ears. Because we, after all, are trying to save the world, uh, again, by hand-selecting ancient deities to help us all out. Right. And not, I, I might add, just for believers, or, or even just for listeners. You know, ideally, even non-listeners uh, are going to ben- benefit from this, uh, unlike some religions, uh, you know, I could mention. That's a very uh, good but, point. I yeah. hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah. So, I mean, if it does come down to it, you know, five-star reviewers and longtime <laughs> listeners first, obviously. Yeah, it's certainly. <laughs> and subscribers, top of the list, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we're not crazy. Uh, <laughs> but the goal is to save uh, everyone. You know, and to even further make the case, you know, I took part of our transcript uh, from the last episode and spent fed it through uh, chat GPT and said, oh, translate this into King James Bible translation language. Wow. So, you know, this, I'm going to read a little bit of, of what I got back. So, and this would be, you know, from the Egyptian Testament, the book of Horus versus Ptah <laughs> yes. or something. Right, uh, right, right. And uh, this would come from the, or the book of categories. So, mm-hmm. um, and it starts off, verily, the tale of Horus. Though filled with deeds both good and questionable, doth incline toward the side of virtue. There came a time of contention where Horace engaged in a boat race against his adversary, and in that race he did employ a subtle deceit, using a substance in his boat that granted it buoyancy, surpassing its true nature of the vessel. This act doth cast a shadow upon his character, yet in a broader view he proved to be devoted to his mother and avenge his father's wrongs, displaying familiar loyalty and honor. Horus, the protector and symbol of justice, stood steadfast, safeguarding the world amid its complexities and struggles, rendering an essential public service, though the decapitation of his mother remains a matter of contention. (laughs) That's pretty poetic. I'm going to tell you. I wish I could talk that fancy. Yeah, so... (laughs) So when you when you when you give the 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 King James spin on it, yeah, it elevates it a little bit. It so. does very classy, yeah. So so maybe maybe uh, if the hoteliers of America are listening, uh, you know, there's a little more extra room in the nightstand. I love it. That 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 will be available at a wholesale price. So your case uh, has been made. Argument is convincing. Yeah. So 
Uh, I think, do you have anything else to add before we kick it off here? All I was going to say was that as it was teased in an earlier episode, Andrew, you and I did finally get together over the past yep. weekend. We, uh, that we did. a couple of other friends got together in Cleveland, Ohio. And, uh, among other things, visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is shaped like a pyramid. Yes. So because of that, I am writing off the entirety of the weekend <laughs> as a business expense uh, to God versus God Enterprise, fully tax deductible, uh, because it reminded me of of Egypt. So there you go. Yes. Uh, and and we we noted the architectural architectural integrity of the pyramid and. Uh, Wrote that down. So that's right. If anybody from the IRS is listening, <laughs> that's, that's right. For all you, all you tax gatherers out there, all completely above board. That's all I've got, Andrew. Let's uh, let's jump in. All right. And so, uh, you know, we would say uh, may the the best God win, but I think this episode will say let the mightiest deity prevail. Oh, oh yes. All right. Class act. Classy. All right. So I, I'm going to present. Uh, Bez, a god who, who's different from pretty much any Egyptian god we've presented before, or really any Greco-Roman ones either. Mm. Um, so again, name is Bez, sometimes called Besu. Um, and I'll get to what makes him unique in just a minute. Um, but I do want to say one thing that is familiar is that uh, he's a god with a lot of jobs. Uh, so primarily, Bez is what is known as an apotropaic god all right and apotropaic means a protective god who averts evil influences or bad luck uh, but in addition to that he is a god of war he is a god of music he is a god of sex and a god of childbirth hmm. you know so it's a wide range but all those are sort of normal uh deity tasks uh, that they would be assigned to sure um so he fits in with that but i think just to get what makes him different, I think we have to start by taking a look at him. So yes. I'm going to do the the screen share, and Matt is going to describe for the listener uh, what he's seeing um, to get an idea of who who or what we're dealing with. Yes. So. so the listener, please close your eyes for a few seconds to uh, to really let your imagination take hold, unless you're driving a car, in which case, uh, don't do that. Yeah. All right, Matt, could you? Describe that image for us. Yes. So this is a, first of all, very unusual in the sense that uh, this deity appears to be facing us directly. So we're so used to the side view of these Egyptian figures kind of in profile, but uh, Bez appears to be coming at us head on. Yes. That's different. Uh, he looks, I, I would say, less uh, sort of lithe and athletic than our <laughs> normal gods have been. He's a little on the, I'd say, the, the sort of uh, sh maybe shorter, pudgier side. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit stocky, maybe would have been the term. Um, he's wearing a very elaborate, uh, looks like a headdress uh, with 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 a series of five feathers, um, in a cap underneath that. So it's pretty pretty striking looking. Um, it's it, it's just odd to see an Egyptian figure with both eyes at once. Uh, <laughs> that front view. He's got a kind of a broad nose, kind of some 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 ears that stick out, sort of like yep. mama style. Uh, he's got his tongue sticking out, so I'm sort of yes. getting a sense of. Uh, of whimsy in that <laughs> um, the facial hair is quite interesting. So I'm looking at, looks like each side is kind of a, a curtain of facial hair on the left and right, right. Cheeks with a curl at the bottom. Um, he's got the, 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 the chin appears to be shaved. So almost an, an homage or, or a foreshadowing of uh, president Chester, a Arthur <laughs> a long time later. Yeah. He looks like he's got some sort of mini leopard uh, sort of, 
skin, I guess, like a, almost yep. like a tiny leopard over his shoulders uh, with as some sort of uh, coat. Right. Seeing a couple of wristbands. Um, yeah, I'm seeing a, a little green belt. And apart from that, he appears to be nude. I, I mean, you know, with, yes. with, with the, the uh, there's no visible genitalia uh, on this fellow, <laughs> at least in this image. Yeah. So nothing, uh, nothing that would make it unfamily friendly. But <laughs> apart from that little green belt, uh, he appears to be fully unclothed. Yep, you're right. I think I think you've got uh, most of the the highlights there. So I'm going to stop the share. So you picked up on the fact that he is yes, indeed facing forward. One of the very few Egyptian deities who yes. is is facing forward. Uh, he's ready for up, action. He's ready for action. Yes. Uh, he is uh, seemed to be a dwarf. Uh, so you know he he would have the proportions that we normally uh, see somebody who had uh, dwarfism. Okay. Uh, short, shorter legs, slightly larger head. He's wearing that ostrich feather crown, which never really gets explained, but he, he wears it quite often. Yeah, it's a good look. Uh, he's got the leopard skin uh, kind of jauntily over sh his shoulders and in kind of a preppy yeah. uh, sweater sort of vibe. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Uh, and there's a little bit of a story uh, of that. Um, and he, it is indeed uh, a modern interpretation. So though he, he appears to be naked. His, his genitals are not depicted in this... Um, but that is in contrast to, to many of the amulets or, or statues of Bez from ancient times where his, his genitals were, were uh, depicted and sometimes quite quite prominently. I see. Um, you know, and, and again, his face is not what we would call conventionally handsome. It's a nice way of putting uh, it, yeah. Yeah, so one writer uh, described Bez's appearance as being charmingly hideous. <laughs> so, but... Uh, Less a generous way to describe it. Um, yes. Not sure if he had that on his match.com profile or not. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this his, his signature look, I, we, we believe, had had a purpose, which we'll, mm. we'll talk a bit uh, about later. He had that belt that you mentioned, um, right. and that is a belt that is also similar to, uh, I guess, a belt that uh, Hercules would sometimes be seen wearing, mm. a belt of healing. Okay. Uh, so, so he has, and both that leopards, uh, around his shoulders and the, the belt, uh, have a little bit of a shout out to Hercules, a little bit of a commonality, uh, in there. And, gotcha. and nobody, nobody would really know where, which one came first, but, uh, you know, they, they do share those care, those qualities. So, um, you know, and then to get back into the name in terms of his name, um, you know, I found a number of different possibilities, you know, perhaps just, you know. It's a one-syllable word with three letters, so there's a lot of plausible things that could have uh, spun off the word Bez. Sure. Uh, so one possibility that was interesting is Egyptian, ancient Egyptian word meaning protector. Hmm. Uh, that's very similar. And then there's another from the ancient uh, Nubian language uh, that meant cat. Hmm. Um, and then another Egyptian one that, that would have meant the dancer. And so those all have plausible connections to, to the character of Bez, as we'll see. Mm. Um, and then also, you know, I like to go into the epithets. Yeah. kind of gives us a character, how they were thought of, uh, uh, what the Egyptians, how they really referred to them. So uh, first one is Bez, who comes from the land of the gods. Interesting. Seems uh, fitting, yeah. Yeah, but Bez is always thought to have come coming from a distance. Mm -hmm. uh, Bez, the Lord of Punt, and Punt, uh, I should is, is Punt is 
where Eritrea is now, uh, okay. on the coast of uh, what used to be uh, Ethiopia, but that's uh, he's the lord thereof. I, I, for um, a second, I thought you were talking about kicking on fourth down. Yeah, yeah, yeah that no. makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, he was he's very pro sabermetrics. So, <laughs> uh, Bez, the god, the dwarf god. So, which self-explanatory? Sure. Bez, the fighter. Okay. Again, yeah. uh, Bez, the dancer. Uh, and so this one, uh, again, the name, and it also, uh, he apparently uh, is often depicted at Hathor's uh, Festival of drunk Drunkenness or Tefnuts mm. uh, Festival. So, uh, and having a good time at the party dancing. Yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of the kind of kind of God he is. Um, and then the last one I have is Bez, supporter of everything good and hater of everything evil. I mean, so. how do you argue with that? That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty right good. Where you want to land? Yeah, good that's that's good. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> um, so with that that punt epithet and some of the other evidence like the name, uh, there's long been a theory that worship of Bez actually originated outside of Egypt, hmm. uh, possibly in Punt or Nubia, both, both of which were lands uh, to the south of Egypt and what's now Sudan or, or Eritrea. Um, and then there were theories about his, his worship could have started in Asia Minor also. Hmm. Um, however, modern scholarship leans towards Bez probably being a homegrown Egyptian deity uh, the pyramids of the old kingdom have references uh, to a Bez-like dwarf protective god or gods, uh, but they don't name Bez, uh, for example. So it's hard to say, but it does seem like at first there were a group of dwarf deities that were protective. So kind of a uh, protection by committee. Mm -hmm. uh, but by the Middle Kingdom, the Egyptians start to think of them really as just different roles for Bez. And at that point, his, his popularity starts to kind of take off. Um, and so, you know, despite being kind of a an appearance-challenged deity, uh, Bez amulets and statuettes were, were very popular, and, and there are many of them that survive to this day. Hmm. Uh, so everything from, like, they had these birthing centers that had walls uh, where they would depict Bez on it. They had uh, Pharaoh's tombs where Bez would be depicted. Mm -hmm. uh, just people's headboards uh you, you find a head of bez on it or cosmetic jars for women that are made uh, where the whole jar looks like it is a statue of bez or or uh women's inner thighs uh would would have a, a tattoo really uh, of, of of bez on it so anywhere you could carve something tattoo something whatever the case may be that wow. they just you stick want to stick that apotropaic deity on there to give you yeah. a little extra protection so that's uh iconic almost yeah he he he, he did become quite iconic i think uh, so you know this the monstrous appearance uh actually may have played a role here in it was to advertise bez's fierceness mm. uh and acting as a warning uh to demons and evil spirits that the holder of this image had a tough no-nonsense uh, deity on their side and better just just keep moving all right so despite so, his smaller stature he had a fierceness that would still make him capable of protection and intimidation oh yeah quite quite so uh um and, but though th there's a different theory that that his uh kind of monstrous looks were actually the result of the many battles with demons and serpents that he had had and and he had been quite 
attractive and that roughed up his good looks. Mm. So that that is a, a contra theory that 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 is you know like a. a a prize fighter who's gone a couple too many rounds. There may be another theory okay. about how that came to be later in the program. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Yes. All right. So uh, again, um, Bez's most frequent call to battle actually was defending women in childbirth and newborn babies. So mm. pretty good, pretty noble calling that he's sure. got there. Uh, and this extended from peasant households up to the pharaohs and even up to uh, his, his fellow gods. So for mortals, uh, pregnant women would often start once, you know, they were pregnant, knew they were pregnant, start wearing a Bez amulet around mm-hmm. uh, to gather the protection of the god. Um, there, And again, there were these birthing centers, which would have uh, depictions of Bez alongside his working partner and, and possible consort, mm-hmm. a goddess named uh, Tawaret, mm-hmm. uh, who was a childbirth goddess uh, in her own right, uh, who had a hippo head and lion's paws and a crocodile tail. Wow. So, <laughs> so uh, I guess that's one know. way to look less monstrous is hang out with somebody with that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, both a, a fearsome uh, couple possibly, but there also was a deity named Beset. Yes. Who was basically a female version of Bez and, and uh, you know, there's some things to say she may have been considered his wife, but that again is not really definitive. Mm-hmm. Um, what the what the nature of that relationship was? Uh, she was more human overall uh, appearance, and again, she would show up in some of those birth scenes, working with uh, alongside Bez. So, um, you know, when when they were in childbirth, you know, prayers would be said, and if during that birthing process. Uh, there was a difficulty for either the mother or child. Um, the midwife would put up, you know, put up that Bez signal mm. uh, by putting a statue of Bez by the mother's head, letting the god know that he was needed. Uh, and presumably, you know, he would uh, suit up, swoop in, save both the mother and child. Uh, you know, we don't have any actual statistics on uh, infant mortality in, in Egypt, but I assume it was, it was uh, obviously much much lower than anywhere else because they had Bez, right? That's right. So, <laughs> That's a uh, weapon, yeah. Yep. So uh, with, with the gods, uh, you know, this was an ongoing concern as well, uh, giving rise to a form of what we sometimes call cosmological Bez. Uh, because just as most deities, uh, you know, they had to do their turn on that solar bark protecting Ra. Right. Uh, Bez had a very special uh, time for it, and he would have to show up at dawn every day uh, for the daily birth of Ra uh, hmm. as an infant every morning to make sure everything went uh, to plan. So, And unlike with human babies, we do know that he had a perfect record on the Ra birth because the sun <laughs> yes. did continue to come up uh, every day throughout the 3,000 years of ancient Egypt. So, Yeah, and he was working. He drew the early shift. Yeah, he, got, he had the early shift. Though, it, I, you know, I think he grew out uh, uh, Ra would grow out of that. So it wasn't a long shift, but, you know, you did have to be available. Very important. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, unlike, you know, some uh, American states that I, I can mention, the Bez's protection of infants did not stop at birth, actually. Mm. Uh, so yes. parents would draw would, would draw an image on a child's left hand as a protection. Uh. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, when the kid was sick. Uh, so, you know, that. And we also have an example of a surviving protective prayer to Bez hmm. uh, that is believed to have 
been called the magic lullaby. So uh, I'm going to read a little bit of that. And it, and it says, Run out, thou who comest in darkness, who interest in stealth, her nose behind her, her face turned backward, who loses that for which she came. Comest thou to harm him? I will not let thee harm him. Comest thou to take him away? I will not let thee take him away from me. I have the protection against thee out of the effet herb. It makes pain out of onions, which harm thee, out of honey, which is sweet to living men, but bitter to those who are dead, out of, uh, out of the evil parts of the ebdu fish, out of the jaw of the merit, out of the backbone of the perch. Bez is my guard upon his perch. He will not let thee harm him. Oh, so this wait, that's a lullaby. Well, I mean, they may have said it in a different tone of voice than I did. It's like kind of an intense warning. It sounds like a recipe. There's all sorts of yeah. food items. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so apparently, you know, parents, I, I don't know how, how seriously I take this. They would maybe make this pungent mixture with honey, onions, yeah. and fish parts, and then, and then that, sing this I mean, as a lullaby. To, yeah, it would be enough to keep me away. It sounds yeah, terrible, certainly. terrible. Yeah, uh, And that would keep uh, malevolent spirits away from your toddler. So, <laughs> wait. It's too, too bad your daughter's so much older than that. That would have been really coming handy back in the old days. Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, but uh, any of our listeners out there want to give it a try, let us know <laughs> yeah. how many evils, evil spirits show up. Uh, we'd appreciate that. We'll start tracking it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll probably get more people who are, who are going to volunteer to be the control group rather than the... <laughs> uh, but um, in addition to protecting children... Uh, Bez would also entertain them hmm. as the god of humor and dance. So whenever a small child or baby would smile or laugh for no reason, hmm. Egyptians would say that it was because Bez was dancing or making faces at the child that only the child uh, could see, oh. you know, which is kind of a nice thing. It's, it's nicer than I think today we, we usually say just, oh, he probably had gas. That's gas. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's bring the Bez one back. That's much more pleasant. Yeah, it's a, it's a little nicer for the child. Uh <laughs> So Bez also uh, was said to have been a protector of Horus, the child. So in that short period between uh, his birth and his challenge to old uncle set for the throne of Egypt, yeah. uh, the story goes that, that Horus's mother, Isis, was out collecting provisions uh, for Horus when they're in that swamp area. And in that time she was gone, Bez was bitten by a poisonous snake. So when Isis mm. gets back, he's sick, she's very distraught, and uh, she lets out a scream so loud and terrifying that it stops the solar bark and the sun in its tracks in the sky. Wow. And so you get this. So the gods, I guess, kind of all peer out over the side of the, of the solar bark to say, uh, what, what the heck was that? What's the, what's the ruckus? And uh, they see it's Isis. And they, you know, who do they send? Well, actually, they sent Thoth. Uh, but <laughs> he, cured, he cures Horus, makes a kind of promise uh, to extend the protection to all human children's. Yeah. Uh, but there were stones of different sizes that would depict the story. And uh, what they would show is that Bez was depicted floating above the baby Horus, indicating that he was part of that promise mm -hmm. of protection uh, for all, all the Egyptian children. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, uh, we don't get, uh, you know, that's one part of caring, of portraying Bez in a podcast is Image is, is on there nearly sort of every object imaginable. You know, it's on beds, it's on tombstones, it's on knives. 
uh, magic wands, all sorts of, uh, he's in all sorts of interesting poses, uh, fighting snakes, dressed as a soldier, watching over Horus, um, you know, as well as some others we'll talk about in, in a little bit. Um, and, but as a god of sort of the people, it should, Egyptologists believe that, you know, there are probably many folk tales uh, about Bez, but none of them really come down to us uh, intact. Um, you know, but with these images and the magic of, of AI hallucination, I think we can get a little bit of an idea no, of no. what those stories might have, <laughs> might have sounded like. So this is, is just a bit of a, a chat GPT exposition <laughs> on a possible folktale based on that Stella image. Uh, and so, uh, and again, in, in the style of, of the King James Bible. So of course, yes. Yeah. So, uh, in his gratitude, Horus, though of young age, displays wisdom beyond his years. He gazed upon Thoth with eyes brimming with reverence and vowed to dedicate himself to the protection of human children of Egypt, just as Thoth had safeguarded him in his hour of need. Bez, the jolly protective deity, was deeply moved by the tender heart and noble promise of Horus the child and pledged his unwavering devotion to the sacred cause recognizing the divine call to shield the innocent from harm. Mm. And from that moment forward, Horace the Child and Bez stood resolute guardians, watchful over the human children of Egypt as they traversed the land, busting cities, from bustling cities to humble villages, ensuring no harm would befall the vulnerable and defenseless. So that, that is, that is uh, the chat GPT version of... Uh, what is happening in those uh in those stellae so you know quite eloquent uh, yes quite eloquent and and beautiful and, and completely made up so <laughs> uh yeah so not sure how much weight we want to give to that you know ai generated hallucination but i am pretty sure that the bez would be happy uh with that description so yes. so bez as i said bez's popularity only grows he gets taken up not only uh by the egyptians but throughout the mediterranean the greeks Phoenicians and the Romans, mm -hmm. uh, legionnaires uh, in the Roman army start to wear amulets of Bez with a little soldier outfit oh. on it for protection. Adorable. Um, and one of the buildings that has been uncovered in Pompeii uh, in Italy has a Bez wall painting on it where he appears to be sitting on a little bench, maybe in a waiting room or a timeout of some sort. Hard to know. <laughs> uh, but, but it is very clearly him. Um, yeah. But in Egypt, you, you sort of know it when when you made it as a god, uh, when they start mixing you uh, with the other big deities, uh, and this happened in the form of pantheistic Bez, mm. which is a mix and match of Bez and uh, a number of other deities. And so I'm going to do, again, with the screen share, and uh, take a look at that and what we have here. And this is the pantheistic Bez version. Uh, so you want to give that one a go, Matt? Yeah, it looks like uh, less less stout, a little more. It still has kind of a, an oversized head and, and still that Chester A. Arthur beard going. <laughs> uh, crown is similar. It looks like he, uh, there's sort of two outcroppings to his sides, almost as though he were wearing a set of wings. Yes. Uh, or, or, or being an early practitioner of hang gliding. I guess it's probably not that. <laughs> no, uh, no. So that, that are the wings of Horus. Okay, those are those are wings. All right. Yeah, those are the wings of Horus, and you may notice, like to the side of his head, 
you know, there's something kind of popping out there, and that is Sobek. Who, oh yeah, who is, who is who is popping out, and then on the other side is believed to be Bastet, um, on there, and then I. I'm going to stop. Oh, so, so a little, a little cat and a little alligator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little cat, and he's got a little alligator, uh, and I believe somewhere in there, there's supposed to be uh, Anubis, also on there. So this uh, pantheistic Bez, uh, I'll stop the share. Is was thought to, um, he called uh, sort of a calling together of all the deities uh, with Bez as their head. And, and, you know, whenever you had a really need uh, protection. Um, and I guess, uh, so the, the note on this image said that there also you have Tarawet in there. Uh, there's the Apis Bull uh, and a moon who, who's the god, god of uh, storms, I believe. So just all sorts of deities that got called together yeah. in the form of Bez. Uh, and, you know, just sort of showing how far he had come uh from from being one of many uh, dwarf deities to you know the head of this sort of chimera of yeah. Egyptian Egyptian deities, uh, and so that is that is my effort to reconstruct the story of Bez, a god of the people, an apotropaic deity, god of dance, and a god of fighting, and a candidate for our golden ale. Very nice. I I I can't help but be curious the. The proportion, you may not know this, but the proportion in his iconography when he shows up in all these different places uh, with a phallus out versus the, <laughs> the, the phallus not out. Did, does it feel like the, can be, the, the, the normal version was uh, was phallocentric or is that unclear? Uh, that was a minor. It was a minority version that were, was phallocentric, but there, gotcha. there was uh, uh, th- those were definitely out there. Excellent. So, Very good. Uh, well, this yeah, the one that we saw, the last one we saw, I think had maybe some damage on it, so it's not clear <laughs> which one that would have fallen I mean, into. It's probably been through a lot in a few thousand years, so we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll let that slide. Very good. Well, a fascinating character. I, another one I had very little knowledge about. So uh, yeah, me as well. <laughs> from from uh, from humble beginnings, seems like he achieved quite a bit, and and ended up as a sort of a one man Avengers of other deities <laughs> in the uh, yes. pantheistic form. Good job. Excellent. Well, take a little rest. Let's have a breather on that. And when we come back out of the break, we'll get to part two with Kansu right after this. All right. And we are back. We just heard from Andrew about Bez, the protector of the home and dwarf god. Uh, we're not going to talk about Kanzu in our second part, the moon god. So before anything else, without further ado, let us have Andrew's take on an image of Kansu. Can you see it? Yes, I can. All right. Tell us what you see. All right. So we have a more typical side view of yes. a deity. Uh, he's He's got uh, a bird head. I believe that is a falcon head. Yes. Uh, and on top of it, is um you know what looks looks like kind of a ball in a bowl yes. but i'm guessing that is maybe a crescent mm. and um and, and some sort of disc in, in in that crescent right uh further down he is carrying the onk um he's got a tail that, it, that is pointed down yes and in the man's skirt and, yep. and he has a symbol of rule that um I, is that that's the set uh scepter yes um 
he's definitely decked out with with uh, sweatbands, and uh, yeah, looking like he's ready for action. Very good. So you you you've done well. Uh, the falcon head clearly the the most prominent feature. And I know what you're thinking. This guy looks an awful lot like Horus, the sky god from our previous episode. Yes. Uh, they both had falcon heads, and in fact, uh, both had money the same trappings: the was scepter, the ankh. Um, obviously, the the big difference is the headgear, as you pointed out. He, you know, Horus would wear that double crown representing the right. north and the south, uh, or of upper and lower Egypt. Uh, Kansu, as the moon god, wears you are correct a moon disc uh, type of helmet, not a sun disc which we've seen before with the likes right. of, of Ra, Hather, Tefna. This is a moon disc, and as you observed, has not one but two moons, both the full moon kind of in that round shape and then the crescent moon underneath. So double your lunar pleasure, <laughs> right? Uh, with this, with this factor. So, as we said, he is the god of the moon. That's, that's fitting. There's a side lock of hair and you sort of see this. We, we don't, we haven't talked much about this season, but there's a sort of the, the traditional hair on a lot of these Egyptian figures. is like kind of an elaborate mullet swept <laughs> yep. back from the head. You got two thick strands kind of coming down each side. Um, one of those is called a side lock. And so it was, and, and you didn't see it in this depiction, but often, with concert, you would see uh, this sort of this side lock, just one of these of these extensions of hair coming down. It was thought to be uh, a symbol of childhood. Now, okay. in my mind, the only lock of hair that I associate with youth is the sort of rat tail. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was was worn by many fellow children of the eighties. Not not yes. me, and I don't know I, about you. No, no. Um, so because it is a symbol of youth, that side lock. Uh, indicates, you know, we see him, we see Kansu as a strapping young man very often. Um, and of course, he shows up in a lot of later era art. There's a, there's a necklace that was popularized by Hather called the uh, the Manat that we mentioned. He's got the crook and flail in some of those other mm-hmm. depictions, the sort of shepherd tool that uh, Osiris used to symbolize right. both the rule and the protection of the pharaoh. Oftentimes in images, he's also mummified, at least partially. Uh, okay. Kansu is. In this image, he's not. He is clearly proudly bronzed shirtless and strapping as a child so god of the moon uh the name Kansu means traveler and of course since the the fitting because the moon Mm -hmm. travels across uh, the night sky uh the moon in 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 early egyptian language uh is spelled i-a-h which i assume has the uh, charming pronunciation of yeah (laughs) would be the moon so uh similar in terms of epithets Kansu had a few he was known as embracer pathfinder Defender and Healer. Now, two of those are the names of automobiles. <laughs> right. The other two are not. So as far as I can tell, neither the Ford Embracer or the <laughs> Nissan Healer uh, ever did materialize. Uh, Kansu was associated with his hometown of Thebes. Now, that is the ancient city where Luxor is today. Right. Uh, the city of Luxor, not the casino where I won $100 in blackjack with you <laughs> back in 1998. Uh, nice. Which back then, I mean, that was a lot of money in dollars <laughs> which immediately was was blown that night on dinner, if memory serves. Uh, his mother was was Mutt, the mother goddess. Again, very fitting. Mm-hmm. And his father was uh, the aforementioned Amun. So the three of them formed what was called the Theban Triad. The three of them as a sort of nuclear family, and they were right. highly revered in Thebes. Very popular. So. Beyond the moon itself, specifically, Kansu is the god of light in the night. So it's the moonlight that is really sort of the source of his influence. He would he would protect uh, folks against wild animals if you were traveling at night. So I suppose if you need to be on the road in the evening, 
the extra moonlight would help a traveler see uh, any kind of wild animals coming, right. give you a little bit of warning. That said, he was also a healer. So if you were out at night and a wild animal got you anyway, <laughs> uh, Kansu would be there to help to help heal you. So oh, excellent. Kind of two layers of protection there. Kind uh, of a triple A. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, he's just out there. If you need to travel at night, he he's your guy. Uh, now, the fuller phase of the moon, of course, that's going to be for protection. That's where your the most of your light comes from. But the crescent phase had a whole different purpose. So when Kansu sort of turned on, if you will, the crescent phase of the moon, all sorts of things would happen. Uh, this is when women would conceive, which makes sense because the menstrual cycle and the lunar cycle are very similar. So yep. uh, that would happen. Uh, also, cattle would become fertile and produce more cattle. So I suppose this was something all the local steakhouses were very interested in uh, anytime that crescent moon came up. And all nostrils and every throat was filled with air. So apparently in the crescent moon, you can breathe really well. All right. Uh, so it's it very different than what we're used to. I mean, in our current era, we often talk about the full moon as the sort right. of where all the, the things get a bit unhinged. It was kind of the opposite here. Back then, it's when you get the crescent moon or the, the new moon. That's when... Uh, everyone's procreating. The cows are, are getting nasty that everyone's breathing all, all the while. <laughs> and for this reason, uh, during the, the new moon or the crescent moon, Kansu was known as the mighty bull. Uh, and during the full moon, he was known as the neutered bull, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. Different than what we would expect. So right. Kansu shows up a bit of an interesting arc in those early texts, like the pyramid texts, the coffin texts. He has this very fierce aspect to him, similar to what you described earlier. Uh, and if you are the protector and if you control the moon and such and you're offering protection, then you should be fierce and, and scary. And he was. He was in some early texts, had a bit of a darker side. He was known as the angry one of the gods. And in the pyramid text, there's a chapter called the Cannibal Hymn, which, okay. again, similar to your <laughs> bizarre lullaby, you don't think cannibalism and him <laughs> yeah. together. Uh, but he was really quite the bloodthirsty god. He in this story in the cannibal hymn, he helps a dead king to track down, catch, and eat the other gods. So this dead king talks him into tracking them down and making a meal out of other gods. So uh, there's a quote here from the the, can uh, the cannibal hymn. It was called Kansu, who slew the lords, who strangles them for the king, and extracts for him what is in their bodies. So a dark, dark <laughs> yeah. start to uh, right. those early texts. In the coffin texts, which are discovered a little bit later, yeah, uh, he is called Kansu, who lives on hearts. And he is capable of sending out, quote, the rage which burns hearts. So he is deploying both the literal and the metaphorical depiction of the heart there, both as a sort of snack, <laughs> the seat of emotion. So right. definitely a, a darker version. He also had a baboon form. Uh, in a okay. light, a little bit of a le less bloodthirsty way. All right. Uh, he was known as the keeper of the books at the end of the year. So apparently the gods would write down at the beginning of the year every okay. the names of all the people who were going to die in the year ahead. And and Kansu was the one to keep track of this book. He was sort of so like a an accountant of death. <laughs> but for death, some yeah. reason is also a baboon somehow. So <laughs> that was right. uh, another right. piece of his of his yep. job. Um in a slight variation of that, he was also known as the decider of lifespans. So to, to some of these accounts, he was not only managing the books, but also making decisions, making calls okay. on All right. who was going to die when, how long people were going to live. And as a result, as you can imagine, everyone kind of wanted to be on Kansu's good side. He was he was keeping that book and you wanted to keep him happy. Right Now, 
those are the darker earlier days. Later on, Kansu's reputation softened a lot. He becomes more, mostly seen as gentle, compassionate. You got to admit, that's quite a turnaround. You're, you're doing cannibalism <laughs> and chasing down, you know, God's fellow gods, yeah, to eat them. And then, you, you know, over time, you become the protector. So later in the game, this is when he really kind of hits his stride in, in what we call the New Kingdom. Now, of course, this is the still the 16th to the 18th century BC. So new <laughs> yeah. being a very relative. relative. Here. Yeah. But in those later eras, in his it is more re- highly re- reputable uh, phase, he was known as quote the greatest god of the great gods. Wow, so very high praise. Um, yeah, the temple of Khonsu is a Karnak, very well preserved to this day. Uh, I'm in very good shape still today, and lots of depictions of Khonsu there. He's depicted inside in the, in the wall paintings as this great snake who fertilizes the cosmic egg in the creation of the world. Uh, there's a little bit of of, of selective history of retconning here because of course you know Kansu was in the second generation had a mother and a father probably wasn't there at the very beginning but <laughs> hey you know what it's it's his temple if they want to show him being the sexy snake that starts <laughs> off, why not right um and i just put it as a side note i i did not know until until preparing for this episode how many cultures use the egg to symbolize the cosmic beginning of things. So you've got, I mean, Formosan mythology and what's now Taiwan, the, the Vedic tradition from the, the Sanskrit yep. uh, scriptures, the Zoroastrians in what is now Iran. They all had eggs that started the world. Okay. Um, they were not worried about what came first. The chicken <laughs> no, the they, they knew. Very decided. It was it was just a settled business, all about the egg. So I guess that makes sense biologically. Uh, I tend to associate the egg not with the origin of the world, but just the origin of, of a hearty breakfast. Uh, so things have come a long way. Um, we talked about the healer. So Kansu's reputation as that healer was was strong, uh, even in the lands outside of Egypt. So similar to Bez, who had had reached beyond the borders, uh, there are stories of 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 Kansu even being being able to heal, sort of remotely, if you will. So there was a princess out way out in Bekten, which is now Afghanistan. Uh, was very sick, was cured instantly of an illness by the mere image of Kansu. Just seeing a picture wow. allowed her to be healed. That's, that's all it takes. So now that you think about it, since I showed you that picture of Kansu earlier, might be breathing a little easier. Heart yeah, rate is very, yeah. very pleasant. Uh, some have that as a picture, some have it as a statue. But either way, just the image of Kansu uh, healed this princess. This also happened with kings. So King Ptolemy IV, the pharaoh, um, also had a very serious illness, and Kansu's uh, influence helped to heal him. And so, so much so that he called himself. The king said, "I am beloved of Kansu, who protects his Majesty and drives away evil spirits." So, once nice. again, it pays to be on Kansu's good side. Yeah, it will get you healed. Now, normally, Andrew, we so we save some of the more pop culture stuff for for the later categories, yep. more of this sort of the influence. Um, I'm I'm going to appeal to a text here that's a little bit more latter day, not you know, departing <laughs> a bit from the from the uh, the traditional texts. Right. Uh, since you, if you, <laughs> I, I, I got started. Yeah, I feel like the yeah. door is open for a looser yeah. interpretation. I got, I got no standing to no. object. <laughs> I don't know if it's literature, but there is a book series called the Kane Chronicles. The author is Rick Reardon. Pretty pretty contemporary. Yeah. Um, Series of books. The main characters Carter and Sadie. They end up joining up with 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 Bez, the dwarf god that you t- talked about in the first part of the show. The three of them had to traverse the twelve houses of night in the Egyptian underworld, the the Duat, and they didn't want to run out of light. You know, apparently the the amount of moonlight very important to a lot of these 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 evening travelers. So, 
so that they would get some extra light, they decided, the three of them, Bez and our two heroes, would gamble with Kansu. They would challenge him to a game okay. in the hopes of winning a few extra hours of moonlight to help guide their way. Now, so this is a thing, according to this, this, this book, you can do. You can come to Kansu. You can yeah. offer to play a board game against him. And if you win, you get extra moonlight. So the game itself is called Senet, S-E-N-E-T, an old Egyptian board game. I kind of originally assumed this was going to be just some sort of lost version of Monopoly or Shoots and Ladders or whatever. But in fact, it was very important. It was sort of like a, the, the game was was played very uh, in a very widespread way. It was left. Sometimes they would leave the game in the tombs of the dead to help guide them through the underworld. Yeah. And once they got to the underworld, they would play it for entertainment in, in the minds of those who would leave these. So it, somehow it is still played today. Uh, although nobody quite knows what the rules are, so I, I don't know how that works out. There, there's still there, there are these these these, these Maybe, pieces. Yeah. So it's sort of we'll call it like a Egyptian checkers. You know, it's like okay. it's got pieces. Yep. It's got a board. So, um, in the book, in this trilogy, Kansu has a more modern day appearance. So he's kind of depicted as a smooth talking, kind of extroverted, eh, kind of a gambler type. He's in his twenties. He's got this kind of Italian cut, very nice suit that's silver. He's got lots mm -hmm. of bling. He's got a a necklace of the crescent moon. So essentially he's dressed like the guy trying too hard at the nightclub or, <laughs> you know, one, one of the athletes on draft night, just really yep. going, taking it far. Um, so not only is he able to grant extra moonlight, if you beat him at, at what we'll just call it Egyptian checker, Egyptian yep. checkers, he can also turn back time using his silver Rolex. Now <laughs> this is clearly a more modern interpretation, yeah. but there's a catch. So if you gamble with Kansu and you lose, he then is able to take what is called your Ren. And that is the part of your soul that defines your experiences and your identity. So he's really that. The stakes are very high. Yeah. Yes, you'll get your moonlight if you beat him, but he's pretty good. And if he wins, he essentially gets to devour um, what's pretty much the most important part of your soul. So high stakes uh, are the heroes of the book. Carter and Sadie end up winning, but Bez loses, which costs him. Uh, not just the, the the benefit of a well lit evening journey, um, but he loses part of his soul in the bargain. Mm. Now, as a footnote within that, this and I alluded to this earlier. So there's another story in the same trilogy where Bess has a secret crush on a woman named Bast. I think I don't know if that's the same one you described or not. Right? Maybe. Um, wanted to spend more time with her to get this crush underway to to try to 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 get something going with it. So this is earlier before this story even happened. He challenged Kansu at Egyptian checkers to win that extra time in the moonlight to, to do his seduction. And in losing the bet, in this case, Kansu did not take part of his soul, but he did give up a few feet of his height, oh. which explains, at least in this telling, why right. he, he is uh, has the appearance of a dwarf. So also high stakes. Uh, any number of theories could be behind that. So a bit of a, a darker sort of scoundrel-like character is Kansu okay. in this in this tradition. Yeah. Now, there's, there's there's fan sites for this book. And one of these fan sites has an, an interview, and I use that in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Debatable journalism. But uh, the, 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 the journalist asks Kansu about the experience. Like, what's it like to consume the Ren part of the soul when you win these, these games of Egyptian checkers? And Kansu kind of leans in. He says, I always forget that you mortals have no concept of how a Ren tastes. Imagine the finest cut of steak in the world, prepared to perfection. Now imagine that in addition to the meat, you're consuming all the memories of, the personality of, the entire essence of the cow itself. 
And he pauses with this look of insatiable hunger. The interviewer then immediately stops the interview because it just doesn't seem like it's going, <laughs> it's going off the rails. No, no. Yeah. Hard to imagine how taking on the memories and the personality of the <laughs> cow would, would Yeah, I think happen. after one, I think you pretty much got it. <laughs> I can't imagine that would make this steak experience better, but yeah. Hansu seems to think so. So an interesting sort of latter era chapter to uh, start yep. in a dark place, kind of rehabilitates and, and then ends up in, in modern day as uh, something of a, of a gambler. So that is our, that's Kansu, uh, controller of the moon, protector of, of nocturnal travelers, perpetrator and enthusiast of fertility among women and, mm-hmm. and cows. Um, occasional, occasional cannibal, you know, from time to time, <laughs> sexy world fertilizing snake, modern day telling, uh, as a sketchy but but often successful high stakes gambler, so a bit of a checkered character there is yeah, Kansu, but uh, but a lot to chew on. <laughs> yes, very much so. So there is our second uh, competitor. So this is going to be uh, this should be an interesting set of categories. These are two, uh, I would say, not entirely different. Certainly different in look and feel, right? And tradition. Both protectors, you know, both having some connection to the protection of others and. Uh, but uh, clearly, two characters that are going to go at it uh, shortly after we're right after this, the next yeah. breather. So let's come back and get to our five categories right after this. All right. All right, and we are back for our categories. We have five categories. We will determine who will be the winner of this round and go on to our finale. Uh, and we start, as always, with Immortal Combat. And that is, again, uh, who would win in a physical confrontation, generally thought of as one-on-one, but, uh, you know, we can always bring in uh, a little bit of an entourage if that'll help side a tie. Um, so I think uh, I think Bez comes off pretty well here. Uh, I mean, just starting with, you know, his nick- nickname is the fighter or at least one of his nicknames. So his yeah, willingness yeah. Uh, to fight is, is not in, in question. Right. Um, you know, he, he would be depicted fighting snakes. Uh, he would uh, be depicted uh, fighting demons. Um, and he wore that leopard skin around his, his neck and kind of the preppy sweater way. And, and that was uh, believed to have been a trophy from some sort of battle. So, so he, uh, bested a leopard and, and was very proud of it. Um, you know, he would also he would use various tools for making loud noises. Uh, mm. He can roar, roar like a lion, oh. or bang a drum, or, or uh, just uh, you know, to scare malevolent spirits away. Um, he apparently was able to withstand very pungent odors. Yes, uh, did, did, not, did not bother him. Uh, that that olfactory weapons he had that in his arsenal. Yes. Um, he would often carry a sword or a knife. Um, you know, if we would talk about entourage, uh, Tawaret, uh, who is that part hippo, part lion, part crocodile deity, uh, certainly would be a, uh, an ally on his side and a fearsome one yeah. uh, at that. Um, you know, and so you may expect, because he, he's a dwarf deity, that, that Bez uh, was short. And, and usually he was, but in some cases, such as a papyrus known as the Brooklyn papyrus. Uh, he is described as a million cubits tall. What? <laughs> and he carries the sky in his strong arms, according to that 
that papyrus. So he he apparently had some sort of uh, embiggening agent <laughs> that he could that he could use, and, and especially if the sky needed to be held up, uh, he, yeah. he could do that too. Apparently, um, the uh, the residents of the other Brooklyn were also prone to <laughs> hyperbole. It would seem. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, so uh, and then uh, he also had that pantheistic bez, but you know it's not clear uh, what powers uh, pantheistic bez would have had, and you know I'm not sure how practical uh, you know really ha- he's got three or four different heads. Uh, and he, he does have have some wings on him, but uh, he's got like a head coming out of his foot. So, um, which I which I believe that's where Anubis's head comes out of his foot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I so I so I don't know, but he he you know certainly uh, not not a figure I would want to tangle with. No. Uh, so not a lot of detail, but I, I think you know, the overall vibe is, is somebody who 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 is fixing for a fight. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, what do you got on on concert uh, there? And I think you said Bastet was one of the gods, sort of that were part of that polytheist or that pantheistic yes. aspect. So once again, using a cat as a weapon, which uh, is a recurring theme that we've heard throughout <laughs> the season. That's interesting, in, in a yeah. little, slightly more uh, obscure way. So. I think Kansu shows up pretty well here. Of course, he first and foremost is able to control the moon in the evening light. So there's the provided the fight happened in the evening, he'd be in very mm. good shape to, to at least work yeah. the environment. Um, it occurred to me a little earlier that he, I think, would theoretically be able to control the tides as well. Mm. Uh, because of course that is that is that is determined by the gravitational pull of the moon. I don't know that ancient Egyptians knew that. No, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that may predate that science. So we, we we may or may not consider that within his tool set. Uh, and again, if the fight is by the water, he can at least uh, manipulate the tides. Yeah. Um, we talked about the bloodthirsty element of that early version, that fierce nature. Right. Uh, he still, let's remember, has a falcon head, so he can peck at you if he needs to. Yeah. Uh, and, and remember. Kansu was called the greatest god of the great gods, so I imagine they don't just hand out nicknames like that. Probably pretty good in a fight. Um, yeah. Had the nickname of, of Defender, so so had those skills. And it was also, of course, a healer, so if he did get injured in the fight, he could theoretically heal himself if he mm. needed to. And, you know, maybe the the, the, the secret weapon of all of it is uh, he's got that, that uh, magic Rolex that can control time. So if he makes a mistake, he can just dial it right back and try again. Um, or if he gets in trouble, he could just gamble his way out of it and right. and work his way through that. So I think this is one of those rare instances where we do have evidence of these two having a, at least a, maybe not a physical confrontation, but having <laughs> uh, moments together in, in the gambling realm. And in both of those cases, it seems uh, we know that Kansu got the better of Bez. So uh maybe different in physical confrontation right. um but at least in those stories uh it cost him both part of his soul and part of his height so given right. all that given the added evidence of past confrontations i think i give kansu the benefit of the doubt on this one with with all due respect to uh to bez and his fierceness i think just the sort of supernatural control that kansu brings combined with that bloodthirsty element that is still within him I think gives him the the edge in my book. Uh, interesting, you know, and I, I will say uh, when we talk about the the gambling, I recall in episode three in, in Thoth's episode that uh, you know Thoth was said to have played checkers against the moon uh, to oh. 
to get to gain those five days uh, in order for uh, Osiris and Set and uh, their sisters to be born. That's right. Uh, um, and though that it was not named as Kansu as such, but that does, uh, you know, pre predate Mr. Uh, Reardon. So yeah, That's he. Correct. So, uh, but I'm I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna agree with you. Hmm. Uh, that that is uh, probably constant. I think you know it'd be an interesting uh, battle. I think that um, persuasive to me is is that passage about um, about being a cannibal cannibal of the gods. So that that yes. you know that implied at least that he was seen as able and willing to to attack and fight other gods. Right. Uh, um, you know, on behalf of uh, mommy Pharaoh. So, That's right. Yep. Uh, you know, so maybe on behalf of a podcast, not that much of a stretch. Yes. So, <laughs> so I don't know. So I, th- I think we have a winner there. Okay. Uh, and and that that will go to Kansu. So that brings us go. to our next category, which is curriculum deity. And this is who has that it factor. Who would you rather be? Who would you rather follow? Uh, and I think uh, you'll go first on this one. Yeah. So I mean, it's always nice to be to be well regarded and worshipped, and 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 Kansu certainly was revered by by the people, by kings, even in foreign lands outside of Egypt. Uh, very much appreciated and and honored. Everybody wanted to be in his good side. Um, in terms of you know, I would like to be that. I I I appreciate the the, the reverence. In terms of being able to control the moon, I don't know how useful that would be. It could be a nice party trick, I guess. It's sort of a almost a little bit of magic uh, to entertain. Uh, not sure I'd be into the whole cannibal thing. Um, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's certainly a darker chapter. I don't know that I would want to make as as part of my existence. Uh, that said, I would love to be able to uh, reach for my Rolex and turn back time um, when <laughs> I make a mistake. I would even settle for just a regular Rolex, frankly. It mean, doesn't even need to have the time travel. Right. So some pretty good, you know, mixed bag in terms of of, of whether you'd want to be him. Had some really great temples, um, as I said, many of which, uh, particularly in, in today's Luxor, remain in pretty good shape. Um, in terms of worship, you know, so cult locations in Memphis and Hebus and Edfu. Uh, the main cult center was there in Thebes in his hometown. He did have a, a an annual festival of New Year's, which apparently, you know, not only kicking off the year, but making sure all the paperwork of who was going to die that year was all set. Um, <laughs> and during that, they would kind of have similar to some of these, these festivals we've talked about. There would be a statue of Khonsu that they would put on a sacred bark. They would parade it through town. There was a falcon's head at both the prow and the stern. Um not much else in terms of 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 raucousness at that at that, that particular uh, festival. It seemed fairly ceremonial, um, but good good locations for worship. Pretty uh, pretty yeah. solid, and and because of his uh, proven ability to be protective, um, lots of company in having others we worship uh, to worship him alongside you. So pretty good pretty ranking good. there. Yeah. Pretty good, yeah. All right, so uh, you know, uh, on curriculum deity, you know. Bez's character is mostly uh, depicted as, as joyful, as, as playful. You notice he had that that tongue sticking out. Yes, uh, he he was always down for a party. Uh, you know, one of the the stories that you know, the later versions of uh, Hathor's returning goddess. Um, well, again, it, it's uh, Thoth and Shu who bring her back. When she comes back, uh, Bez is there for the party. 
Mm. Uh, he, he's 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 in uh, he's again he's in monkey form, but he, he kind of keeps her, makes sure she stays happy, and you mm. know kind of plays along, and then uh, throws down for the party. Uh, loves to dance, uh, loves kids, make them laugh. But you know, on the other side, he's on call all the time. You know, mm. uh, he's on every birth uh, infant uh, in trouble oh, in, right. in Egypt. He's on call every dawn. Uh, he's getting up to uh, you know help help raw. Yeah. out through his birthing process um you know, and we had that one theory that the reason his appearance is is a little uh you know uh unconventional is, is because the result of so many battles with demons uh yeah. so that that certainly took a toll sure yeah you know? uh we don't get a lot about relationships uh you know he certainly has a, a working relationship with uh Tolaret and beset uh you know and they could you know both of them could be consorts, could be a work colleague. Uh, we, we don't know. Um, you know, um, you know, Tauret's kind of certainly an interesting uh, deity to, to hang out with, a uh, mishmash of beastly body parts, but yeah. uh, it's hard in a good, a good place. Uh, seem, seems all right. So, um, you know, pretty good there uh, overall, I think. Um, you know, in terms of worship, again, an interesting story here because Bez really had no independent priesthood mm-hmm. um you know and he would be represented at almost all of uh hathor's temples uh, m- most of horus's temples especially if it was a uh, horse the child section of the temple mm-hmm. um in Saqqara, there's um they call it an incubation center uh, or where pilgrims would come and stay uh the night in hopes of having uh, erotic dreams to cure their infertility. Oh, okay. So they would just go overnight to this uh, incubation center with Bez with, with a number of other deities, but he was prominently featured there uh, to for them to cure those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he had the birthing centers, um, and again, some some women uh, you could get a tattoo, which which is popular among women, uh, would get pat- tattoos of Bez on their thighs, and not sure why they did it. Uh, uh, one one theory was that it was to promote fertility, uh, but another was that it was uh, to ward off STDs. Okay. So and why you not? Know, uh, if you can cover both, that, that yeah that seems like a win win. Yeah. Right. And so so again, for most of the time, he doesn't have his own priesthood, but he finally gets his own priesthood at a town of uh, Ad, uh, Abdios, which is an offshoot of an Osiris temple hmm. and, and they, his priesthood was there to protect what were thought to be the relics of Osiris. Um, and so that, you know, they brought in some Bez priests uh, to be so good at, at protection, but, um, and this stood until about 359 AD oh, uh, when, when the Ro- one of the Roman emperors at the time embraced uh, Christianity and, and shut the uh, Osiris temple down. Yeah. Um, and he also had his own temple again at late uh, in the game at, at a place called uh, Bawati. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is an isolated oasis uh, well to the east of the Nile. So you're not, not, you're not a super convenient location, uh, but it did last uh, you know, into the late stages of uh, paganness because uh, basically because of its isolation. And so, a good run, yeah. Yeah, so so an interesting one, and and obviously you also could just wear an amulet, you know. Uh, so I, one thing I, I think I like about Bez worship is it seems a little bit low commitment. Yeah, 
<laughs> you could, you know, wear an amulet, have it carved in your headboard, and usually I think that would that would kind of do. Yeah, easy uh, entry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with with Bez. I, you know, he's got a little bit. Sometimes when I think about him, I think of maybe as a little uh, mini Ernest Hemingway. Hmm. You know, he's out there. He's he he he's fighting and and loving and 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 laughing and uh, kind of a you know. Uh, uh, embracing life. So sure. I, I think, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with that. I think I, I like where you're going with that. I think, you know, you often remind us that is the it factor. And I think he did seem to be in a good mood, had a good time, messed, you know, mixed it up. I like the Hemingway uh, comparison, almost a, a little bit of, of, of uh, Tyrion Lannister in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Just due to the, the stature, but also the love of life, the, uh, the sort of Bacchanal that mm-hmm. surrounded him. Um, yeah, I think there's something to that. Clearly, was it was a, a very popular figure in the day, very revered and present and iconic, even, uh, and had a good time. So yeah, I I too am going to go with Buzz on this one. All right, excellent. So that makes us tied up one to one, keeping people at the edge of their seats. That's right. Uh, so we are into third category, which is good God. Yes. Uh, so um, and I, and I'll go first on this one. So you know his his epithet supporter of everything good and hater of everything evil you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a good start you know it yeah. maybe maybe it's just good propaganda but it, it is as, as you said hard to argue with that right. um you know helping pregnant women and babies is a is a definite w mm-hmm. uh in in this in this category so you know that's kind of his is what he seemed to spend the most of his time doing um you know, he he was a party guy, but but he used that to help uh, rehabilitate Tefna and Hathor and bring them back into society. Yep. Um. So you know, uh, no indication that he ever uh, got out of hand with that. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he would rid areas of dangerous animals like snakes or or leopards. Um. You know, and uh, you know, the Egyptians definitely had a different standard on on animal rights than we did. So they 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 they, they, they took that as a W, yes. uh, for sure. Um, you know, we don't know uh, the leopard that he was wearing. We don't know that story uh, per se, but I presume the leopard was threatening. Um, you know, before, but yeah, maybe not. Maybe he maybe he just wanted wanted to wear it. Um, yeah, again, he, he's protector of Ra and Horus in baby form. Um, you know, one slight down mark, you know, at least through some of his, his worshipers, uh, these Roman legionaries, he was a participant in Roman imperialism, but yeah. I, I don't know how much we can blame him for that. No, that's really uh, more of a retro thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but overall, overall pretty good. I would, yeah. I would say. I think Kansu is our classic mixed bag here. It's really hard yep. to get around that cannibal stuff in the early <laughs> stages. The, the only real yep. excuse there is that. Uh, if memory serves, cannibalism was a lot more prevalent in those early days before I believe Osiris, right, in one of his first acts as king, said, Hey guys, let's cool it on the cannibalism, shall we? <laughs> right. So, since these are very early texts, very possible it was the style at the time, but it still seemed rather bloodthirsty, rather grotesque. Uh, not just cannibalizing himself, but aiding and abetting other cannibals. <laughs> um, Character wise, hard to hard to reconcile that. Now, of yeah. course, as we said, big turnaround after that. You got to you know give score some points for the healing, the protecting, yeah. the aiding and yeah. fertility, all good things um, to sort of balance that out. 
Uh, but then again, if it's a head-to-head competition, virtually all those were also accomplished by Bez. So there's a, right. almost a bit of canceling its, itself out there. The the sort of later era gambler era um, feels a little deviant, I think, in terms of character. But in his defense, uh, he does establish the terms up front. People know what they're getting into yep. when they play Egyptian checkers with Kansu. <laughs> um, and people know he's pretty good at it. So, you know, better beware um, in that case. And they've seen right. what happens when you lose. So... On this one, I feel like the 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 edge, at least in my view, goes to uh, once again to Bez. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to. Uh, uh, you know, the, we just at least from what we have, we we don't get any stories of him really doing kind of anything bad. Uh, he's he's always always a protector. Uh, always kind of seems to be acting out of that impulse. Right. Um, so I, I think you know, even though overall, I don't think. You know, among among deities, I I, I think Kansu's maybe in the top half of a character. Certainly, if we bring in the, the Greeks and the Romans, right? Uh, but yeah. uh, but uh, no, I I think uh, I think we're gonna have to also go with Bez, so that that gives us two to one. Yeah, going into four, and clearly, uh, like Bez's uh, predilection for indecent exposure and 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 genitalia exposure. <laughs> Um, wasn't that big of a deal because clearly he was everywhere and people were comfortable with it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not was not considered offensive uh, at the time. It, it, much much like the cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. Uh, so that brings us to our fourth round, uh, which is iconography. Yes. And that is who has the better legacy uh, with us today. Um, and I believe uh, you'll go first on this one, Matt. I will. So you'll viewers of Marvel's Moon Knight uh, series and the comic books before that uh, will will recognize Kansu as a key figure in that. And in the show, Kansu was voiced by the great F. Murray Abraham of uh, Amadeus fame. Yeah. And of course, the lead character, Moon Knight, is this guy who is re- revealed to be an avatar of Kansu. So Kansu is in the background being his mysterious self. But our hero uh, is inhabited by him very slowly. Ultimately, Kansu allows the main character, gives him supernatural abilities so he can go fight evil in his name, but he also slowly drives him insane, uh, <laughs> wondering whether or not he's he's possessed or if he's got a right. split personality. So um, he, in the show, of course, was played by Oscar Isaac, who is dark-haired, very handsome, and in the show is a Cub fan from Chicago. So I, I immediately can relate to this guy, at least, <laughs> at least those ways. The fact that he is slowly driven insane and only barely notices for a long time, also very befitting to any <laughs> Chicago Cubs fan. Uh, Kansu also shows up in the Night at the Museum series. There's this golden tablet that can channel Kansu's rays down to the tablet and they can rejuvenate okay. uh, its powers every night, sort of like a divine light and powered iPad, I guess is how you talk about it. <laughs> um, and it's it's that light that can bring the exhibits and the museum to life. But if it gets too far away from Kansu's moonlight for too long, they all die. All the museum exhibits just go back to being regular. Uh, museum I, exhibits. Yes. I did not recall that at all. No, that's right. That's, yeah. Uh, Kansu, you know, was a popular god, was a popular baby name for a while in the old days, less so now. <laughs> BBM is going to be pretty low on that. Uh, I mentioned the Kane Chronicles earlier, where he's clearly an important figure. Um, Kansu is also the name of a metal band from Bergen, Norway. Um, I listened to a little bit of it, maybe not my style, but the description that the band writes about their music, yeah, 
feels very Kansu. So I'm going to read that for you. Heavy guitars are slicing and crushing with stunning precision and elegance. <laughs> Massive and thundering keyboards weave dense textures. Metal and industrial collide to shape dark forms and structures. The falcon-headed Egyptian moon god Kansu becomes incarnate. So if nothing else, these Norwegian dudes really commit to the, uh, to yeah. the name. Uh, so there's that. There is a pharma company called Kansu Pharmaceuticals, I guess. Oh, he- a healing, I guess. Uh, I guess so. I mean, they, well, they have a presence in India and China. Um, they are dedicated to trying to treat disease as a result of inflammation in human and animal health. Okay. So I guess they could have, if they have a breakthrough, like maybe if your cat gets arthritis, they can, they can come through on that. Yeah. Uh, seems pretty Big early business. stage. Yeah. Couple of interesting commercial products. Uh, Kansu is a a lovely summer summer dress. A twist on the traditional summer dress. It's got uh, adjustable straps, V neck, asymmetrical pleated and laser cut insert, and very nice little summer wear for this time of year. The second commercial product is a Kansu CBD male enhancement gummies. <laughs> so a dietary supplement includes CBD, drawn of course from the the cannabis uh, hemp plant. Uh-huh. That is promoted to you know promote health and sexual vitality, general health and well well being. It's supposed to enhance users' sexual performance and satisfaction. So I guess I see why they chose Kansu for the name. He has a a certain virility to him. I it's hard for me to associate cannabis and and sexual <laughs> virility. It's more like yeah, couches, video games, cereal, sure, but just I don't see that connection. Uh, I was I was almost about to click the link to learn more. I frankly, I candidly was just afraid to do that <laughs> fear of just being hounded by banner ads for this stuff for the rest of my life. So uh, I ceased my research there. But yeah. for, for any listeners who are interested uh, and who are looking for CBD-based male enhancement gummies, uh, look no further than uh, the good people of of Kansu. I ask for it by my name, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so that's what we have for uh, the modern day uh legacy of of the moon god all right excellent so uh some, some really some interesting stuff there obviously the the marvel one is is a good get so yeah. uh you know i had in addition to the kane uh chronicles uh where bez also gets you know it, it seems to be a decent character in there uh right. there are some other literary things maybe not quite to the popularity of uh the uh, comic book or or the Disney Plus Channel uh, miniseries, <laughs> right? Um, but there's the story of Bez, a children's book, hmm. and so the the synopsis says: Two worlds collide as Andy, a modern day boy, experiences an encounter of the weirdest kind in the jumbled attic of his recently deceased grandmother. It is there, among the piles of his grandmother's treasures, in quotes, that Andy comes face to safe face with Bez the pint-sized god of ancient Egyptian legend who has come to recover the lost scroll containing a very special story, the story of Bez. Wow. It's even got an Andy in there, so you've got a connection to it. Yeah, and then there is the uh, sci-fi book from the early 2000s called Pyramid uh, Scheme, Scheme, uh, Pyramid Scheme, and it says uh, in this one... uh, an alien pyramid has appeared on Earth, squatting in the middle of Chicago. It is growing, destroying the city as it does, and nothing seems to be able to stop it, not even the mighty U.S. military. Somehow the alien device is snatching people 
and for unknown reasons, uh, transporting them to the world of mythology. And uh, so Bez is a character in that, and he is one of the few gods on the people's side. Uh, in that, um, not sure if the, the pyramids ever stopped or just just uh, takes over the world. Um, he's I a mean, character. The, the, the appearance of a pyramid in a lakefront Midwestern city is yes. really giving me well, flashbacks to just days ago. Right, <laughs> daunting. Uh, so Bez is a character in a couple of uh, video games. Uh, one, The Forgotten Realms. Um, and is a series. There's a series of Bez branded beers, oh. include, including Bez pomegranate sour beer, uh, which seemed uh, interesting. And on on the you know the babies per million, uh, that there were less than than five babies per year mm. uh, named named Bez, and even not even sure of any of those uh, were, were named for the god. So. Um, <laughs> You know, but this is kind of his big get. So I mentioned that the Bez worship spread uh, throughout the Mediterranean, uh, and this included uh, the Phoenicians. Mm -hmm. So in 680 BCE, mm. a group of Phoenician uh, sailors discovered and settled an island uh, off the coast of Iberia, and finding that that island was free from snakes and predators, the amazed and grateful Phoenicians named the named it the island of Bez, oh. and today that island is known as Ibiza. Oh, yeah. Which is a party spot to big, this day. Big time. Ibiza, I believe Ibiza. they call it. Ibiza, yes. Wow. I, I wouldn't have put that together, but considering his hard partying ways, that, that fits. Yeah. Yeah. That fits. So, um, you know, even though, uh, you know, Abitha, as you say, is a good get. Uh, it's. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with uh, Kansu on this one. Yes, I, I think Kansu does get the edge. Although, you know, if you had a night to yourself and wanted to drink a couple of those Fez sour beers and pop a couple of CBD gummies just to see what happens, uh, you could enjoy the, the benefits of both. But yes, I, I think Kansu gets my vote here as well. All right. All right. So that, of course, puts us back into a tie. Uh, and so once again, as so often is the case, we go into the final deciding round, most important category, uh, ironclad uh, category of <laughs> matinee idol, where, where we decide who would make the better movie or limited series. Right. Right. All right. So I'm going to start this one off. Um, so it had, had, a, had a lot, uh, a lot of um, thinking to go. Uh, through on this one, you know, looking at the iconography and, and the depictions of Bez and the, and the various jobs he had from, from daycare to fighting snakes and then right. leopards and dancing and celebrating. Yep. You know, I, I feel like there's kind of a lot of backstory that needs to get filled in. Mm. Uh, and so that's kind of the w direction I went. So I, so I pictured Bez, uh, it's kind of an origin story, starting out as a, as a tough fighter, you know, who likes to, to kick demon butt, uh, fighting scorpions and leopards and, and going to wild uh, celebrations, you know, before, after, and during uh, the, the fighting of these, uh, these foes, um, you know, so, so we open up with Bez and, and he, he's clashing with a leopard uh, that we find out is possessed by the forces of chaos in order to attack and disrupt a festival of Hathor and uh, steal the goddess's sun crown. So, so while she's, you know, 
attacking late in the night while she's a little bit incapacitated uh, with that red beer. And they're going to take <laughs> that sun, sun, sun crown and, and use it against the solar bark. Oh, so yeah. we get, you know, a bit of a big action scene in the midst of the party, uh, knocking over the red beer fountains, mm. uh, scattering party goers, uh, while, while Hather sort of amusingly, blithely stumbles through the party, oblivious to, to what, <laughs> what's going on around her. Right. Uh, you know, Bez, of course, uh, does uh, defeat the leopard, taking its hide as, as a trophy and cape. Um, you know, but before he can even celebrate, he, he gets called up to meet the big guy, uh, to meet Ra at dawn, uh, where, where he's given a new mission uh, by Ra, who's giving him these commands in newborn form. Mm. Um, you know, at this point, uh, Bez expresses his distaste, you know, for the for the infant form and, and doesn't like, you know, taking orders from a baby. Right. Uh, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, so who would? Uh, but this new, new assignment is uh, for this rough and tumble gargoyle looking guy is to uh, go undercover and protect Horace the child uh, who is now just entering uh, his new kindergarten class as undercover as the kindergarten teacher for the class. Okay. So uh, now, of course, you know, there's an adorable clash between this gruff war deity <laughs> who has to shepherd some adorable five-year-olds. Uh, he's also introduced to a, a sweet uh, a first grade teacher who's in the next room. Sure. Uh, who has a very similar name, Bissett, uh, but, mm. but he he's he is smitten, uh, and therefore he needs to to in order to impress her, not only prove he's good at fighting, but prove he's good with the kids. Yeah. Um, and so slowly he wins wins the kids over uh, to him. But towards the end of the year, they finally get the big attack where Pophis set team up, uh, and, and Bez has to fight them off. Uh, you know. Wins the day, uh, wins wins the girl, protects the kids, um, you know, and has learning and growing along the way, and then yes. ple pledges himself to become uh, that protector of uh, women and children. So after that, um, and of course, I'm I'm thinking of calling this one uh, kindergarten god. So. There you go. Yes, and I assume he gets the girl in the end. Oh yes, yeah, 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 he gets the girl. Yeah, that's part part of the learning and growing. That's yeah, yes, I that's the much more heartwarming story than I was expecting from this uh, <laughs> this, this pugnacious pugilist. Yeah. Yes, very good. Okay, uh, I I will take a slightly different route. On this <laughs> I'm so, sure you will. <laughs> there are there are many there's parameters here, right? So there, there there is Moon Knight, which is a show that does involve Kansu, so we can't really replicate that. We need to right. Do something different, um, you know. Similar to to many of the figures on this program, uh, of the many phases of Kansu, not all are the stuff of a great movie or, or limited series. The Cannibal Days uh, would be hard to identify. Make that a sympathetic character. Um, it would be an interesting action movie. Him hunting down, you know, gods, yeah. and killing them with this <laughs> mummy god. Didn't go yeah. that. Didn't go that direction. Uh, <clears throat> The sort of more mellow latter era where he's the protector, he's you know essentially doing <laughs> moon management, <laughs> less exciting, less less cinematic. Right. Um, but Kanzu's predilection for high stakes gambling now that is another story. There's a movie there, mm -hmm. so or perhaps a, a limited series. So each episode, 
Uh, our hero is approached by somebody who's in desperate need of a few more hours of moonlight to accomplish their most urgent nocturnal activity. They're in a moment that they are in the most important moment of their lives. And if they don't get a little more moonlight, they will fail. So they come as, as you do, and you uh, challenge Kansu to his, uh, his high stakes game of Egyptian checkers. So we're talking about each each week, you know, there's somebody in this situation. You've got a, a would-be lover who's looking to consummate the great crush of his life, similar to what happened uh, to Baz. And, 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 and you've got a surgeon who needs another few hours to complete an emergency surgery. And he just can't do it in the dark. And he's, maybe he's got to separate, let's say, Siamese twins. He can't do it. So he comes and says, how can I get more moonlight? It's gambling. Uh, maybe you've got a military general who needs to mount this surprise attack that's going to win the war. But he can't mm-hmm. do it under full cover of night. So he needs just desperate resorts to having to challenge Kansu. So each one, each character in this moment of need challenges Kansu to the Egyptian checkers game. And in thrilling board game fashion, inspired by the Queen's Gambit, uh, Kansu <laughs> takes each one down. But remember, um, winning the game allows Kansu to then feast upon the Ren part of the, the soul of the gambler that he has vanquished. So in doing so, he takes on the person, he takes on their essence, he takes on their memories, which means after each match, it's up to Kansu himself to take over their lives, inhabit them, and finish the urgent task at hand. So we watch in awe as Kansu loves the lover. He 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 separates and, and saves the two Siamese twins. He leads the battle under cover of night to win the war. He's successful in all these desperate challenges until one night. He's approached by a surprising challenger. Wouldn't you know it? It is a professional gambler who happens to be the greatest Egyptian checkers player of all mortal beings. <laughs> and his ultimate goal in life, his purpose, is to defeat Kansu at Egyptian checkers. So the two come together and clash in this epic match. And they're playing, they're back and forth. And then Kansu realizes he's got an important choice to make. If he lets the gambler beat him, then he has to grant extra moonlight to the gambler, which then the gambler will use to continue playing Kansu and defeating him again and again for all Mm. of eternity. If Kansu defeats the gambler, he must then take over the gambler's life, forcing him to wait for it, continue playing Kansu and defeat him (laughs) again for all of eternity. So he's stuck in this infinite loop. He's this, it's it's suddenly in this sort of Christopher Nolan, like inception uh, that, 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 that goes to eternity. So just when he thinks we think the show is going to continue forever, then Kansu remembers he can turn back time using his special uh, time Rolex watch. So he does so. He then adds the gambler's name to his ledger of people who must die that year. Skips <laughs> town, takes a nice long vacation um, in the Italian Riviera, knowing that he has broken this infinite loop. So in that last shot, we see him reclining. We see Kansu in Capri. He's sipping a Negroni relaxing by the sea wearing of course his signature crown with the two moons that are his his, uh, his his signature item the camera slowly zooms in on the rolex watch that he has used to save the day on the screen we see a tagline a crown for every achievement that's the tagline of rolex watch and we realize this whole thing has been one thing <laughs> of rolex watches the whole time brilliant they've sucked us in Gambit of Souls is is what I'm calling it. Coming soon to a streaming network near you. And of course, sponsored by the good people at Rolex. Now, a final note on this. If anyone at Rolex is listening, please do get in touch. I'd be I'm happy sure to develop this script in exchange for some products. A new watch would be great. Uh, 
and I should, should reveal as well to you, Andrew, the last 22 episodes of God versus God, all 33 hours of content have all secretly been the buildup to me pitching Rolex. <laughs> wow. So as much as, as you and all of our listeners probably wishing you had the ability to dial back those 32 hours <laughs> to do something more productive. Uh, no such luck. You have, you have all been incepted. And Interesting. Yes. All right. Very interesting. Uh, you know, I, I like the pitch for the sponsorship. Yes. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, this effort to uh, save the world is not without its costs. So, <laughs> That's right. Uh, Nothing's free. Yeah, nothing is free. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Kansu on this one. I, th- I think uh, I think he got me on that uh, the Inception metaphysical tale. Uh, yeah, I I also would I also would have liked you know if you gotten a little bit of the cannibalism in there, work work that in. But maybe uh, that can be a flashback, a little bit of origin <laughs> story just woven in. We'll we'll see how the folks in uh, in Rolex corporate feel about yeah. that. They're going to have to sign off on the treatment, so that might right. That's true. Might be off brand. They want their watches associated with cannibalism. I don't know. It's probably probably frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, I think I I too will go with Kansu. I, I like I like the treatment. I I, I enjoyed the uh, the kindergarten uh, uh, influence. That was that mm-hmm. was very heartwarming. But yes, I think uh, I think in our time of of Christopher Nolan and Oppenheimer and 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 split dimensions and timelines, I think this one's got a, a tendency to break through. So I believe Kansu wins the day. That is it, right. So that that makes us three two, and that is. Uh... Makes Kansu the winner of this round and candidate for the Golden Ale. And speaking of, friends, we are yeah. getting to that point of the season. So just quickly before we wrap here, uh, we are combining our finale of season two, which will be in our next ins- and, and final installment for the season. Yep. Uh, we did in two parts last year. This year, we're going to combine them into because the season's a little bit shorter. So we're going to we're going to combine them into one at one supercharged episode uh we're going to choose the top finishers of this throughout the season as we did last time we'll determine our two finalists and then uh the second half of the episode we will then have our two finalists battle it out as we did last time in three new categories to determine brand new brand new categories to determine the season winner uh who of course will be able to join our modern day pantheon and help to save us for our troubled times. so a lot on the a lot on the hook this time yeah, uh, to join our season to. one winner, which I whom I still refuse to name. Right. In the event uh, folks are still catching up on those other three three hours, I, I, I do think that I I think uh, in that finale, I think we, I think we were going to have to go through who the season one winner is. But we'll give you plenty of warning, of spoiler yes, warning, because right. I think there, there's some achievement that that winner has had that we. Yes want to tout uh as part of the bona fides of the program important yes so things, so we're getting almost a, like a spoiler alert in advance of the alert you you right. would be warned in that episode but you know that's uh something to look forward to and this will be uh it'll be a recap to a fascinating season quite unlike our first one but uh no less fascinating and that uh, no less bizarre yes Yes, very much so. We'll call that a success. Well, uh, let's call it a show. Thank you, Andrew, as always. And our thanks, as always, to the great DJ Andy Snow, andysnow.dj, for providing our theme music. Uh, You've heard from the very beginning that to be on our good side and to receive benefit of the salvation of our ultimate pantheon, (laughs) please do subscribe. Please do pass on the good word. Leave highly uh, flattering five-star reviews. Right. Tell your friends and find us in the socials. Andrew, I think you're going to have to add a lot of these uh, images to the social feed once the episode comes out. Some of these, uh, these yes. additional images, particularly of Bez, to uh, to alert the listener, the viewer, 
uh, to be able to get that sense. And of course, last but not least, the official God versus God playlist season two, Rock Like an Egyptian, uh, right. is being added to for each episode. And this week will be no exception. So go check That's that right. out on Spotify. Yep. And that will do it. Uh, well done, as always, good sir. Always a pleasure. Yeah, you too. And folks, thanks for listening. We will see you on the season finale. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.